It's Wednesday, January 30th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Apple has had to respond to some privacy issues caused by a bug in their FaceTime app. Apple disabled the group chat function after users said a software bug could let callers activate another user's microphone without them knowing. Robert McMillan, reporter for The Wall Street Journal, joins us for what to do about the bug and also the story of how a 14-year-old and his mom found the vulnerability and tried to bring it to Apple's attention. Next, tax season officially started this week, and the new tax law has a bunch of changes you should be aware of. According to a new survey, about half of people don't even know how the new law affects their tax bracket. Darla Mercado, personal finance reporter for CNBC, joins us for what to know as you start filing your taxes. Finally, former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz hasn't even announced that he is running for president, just that he is thinking about running as a centrist independent, and it has been a disaster. Daniel Lippman, reporter for Politico, joins us for all the reaction. Democrats don't want him running for fear that he would siphon off votes from their nominee. And Trump, he's not worried about anyone running against him. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Yeah, for all those people that say that nothing good has ever come of Fortnite, well, here's the counter argument. Grant was trying to get a game going with his buddies. He started connecting to, to them. And what he found was that once he started adding people to the to the group FaceTime, he'd start being able to hear what they were saying even before they picked up. And um, he discovered the issue. Joining us now is Robert McMillan, reporter for The Wall Street Journal. We're going to be talking about Apple and the big glitch on uh, FaceTime. You know, it's everyone's worst nightmare that your phone is actually listening to you. And in some cases, the video is active, too, so people can see you. And this is exactly what happened. The glitch came in the form on the group FaceTime chat function on the iPhone. To start off, tell us what the glitch is, how we can fix it in the meantime. And then after that, we'll get into the more interesting part, how a 14-year-old and his mom really brought it to Apple's attention. Group FaceTime is a feature that was introduced in the fall of last year. It's a cool feature that lets you, you know, instead of just FaceTiming, one to one, you can add, you can add, you know, a third person or a fourth person to have like a nice group chat going on there. So it's been around for a few months, and on Monday, people started reporting that if you initiated a FaceTime call with somebody and then added yourself as the third person, the the audio would start streaming what the other person was saying, even if they didn't pick up the FaceTime call. So in order to exploit it, you know, I would call you via FaceTime on my phone. And even before you picked up, I'd be able to start listening into what you were saying. So if you were saying like, oh, Bob, that jerk is calling me. <laughs> right. I'm tired of him. You'd hear that. It was a really big problem. I mean, there is only a finite amount of time when, when the FaceTime messenger is, is ringing, you know, so you can't listen to somebody forever. But right. you get this like 30 seconds or, you know, or maybe even longer period where you could like hear what was going on. As people started looking into it, they realized that if the recipient like hit the power button on their phone, then it would turn on the video, start to be able to see them. And then there were all these weird things that were happening. So it was like a really bad glitch for Apple, you know, a company famous for its privacy. You're right that the time that it's ringing is not a long time, but any type of audio or video that could come through is totally a breach of privacy. And the group FaceTime chat, they were touting it as you can have up to 
32 people involved on a chat. So just imagine sending that out to so many people. It is possible that something can slip through, something that you might not want any of the other participants to hear. It could potentially be a big problem. In the meantime, Apple responded very quickly. They disabled the function. They're going to roll out some type of update later in the week. So it should take care of it. In the meantime, everybody's recommending go into your settings and turn off the FaceTime feature just in case. That's that part of it. It is fairly simple to turn off the function right now. But let's get into the other part of the story and how a 14-year-old found out the bug. Because a lot of times, you know, people are hacking things and it takes a level of sophistication to figure out some of these bugs. This teenager stumbled upon it while he was trying to play Fortnite with his friends. And then uh, tell us about that and tell us about the story, how his mom got involved to bring it to Apple's attention. Yeah, for all those people that say that nothing good has ever come of Fortnite, well, (laughs) here's the counter argument. Right. So this guy, yeah, Grant, on Sunday, the the 20th of January, so just over a week ago, he was trying to get a game going with his buddies. He started connecting to, to them, and what he found was that once he started adding people to the to the group FaceTime, he'd start being able to hear what they were saying even before they picked up. And so he started studying it a little closer and replicated it, and um, he discovered the issue. He took it to his mom, who's a lawyer, and he said, look, at this seems like a pretty important problem. I know he's a bit of a computer geek, and he is a longtime Apple user, so he knew that they had a, a, a bug bounty program where Apple would actually pay you for information about security problems. And so he and his mom decided they'd report this to Apple. And they did it in a, you know, responsible way. They didn't, like, just drop a video showing how to exploit the thing on the internet. And they reached out. But of course, how do you, if you have, like, the most important security flaw that Apple is going to deal with in the month, if not the year, how do you how do you get their attention? They're right. a giant company. And they had a hard time doing this. You know, they sent some tweets and tagged Apple on Facebook. And then by Tuesday, Grant's mom, Michelle, she was faxing Apple. She was getting trying to get people on the support line. You know, she was really spending a lot of time doing it. And eventually, she realized that Apple did, to their credit, they got back to her and they sort of told her that she had to uh, register as a developer and file a you know formal bug report. And right there is a- another roadblock. It's okay. I finally got through to somebody, and they're like, "Well, you know, you might have something legitimate, but you got to go through one more step before we believe you." <laughs> And these bug reports, I mean, you know, they ask you all kinds of technical stuff that really wasn't wasn't the point here. You know, this was such an easy flaw, and it was it's so obvious to anybody who tries to take advantage of it what the what the issue is that it wasn't even required. But of course, they're processing all kinds of bug claims, and some of them are important, some of them are less important. And right. so, there's no easy way to say like, hey, this is really, <laughs> you know, hey, I'm not a developer, <laughs> I'm not a security expert, but this is like really really important. Like that almost never well, happened. Once it came to their attention, they realized it was very important. That's why they pulled the whole function off of the iPhone right away because, you know, the potential uh, of what could happen. And nobody said anything that anybody's used it maliciously or anything like that yet, but still very something very important to pay attention to. Robert McMillan, reporter for the Wall Street Journal, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, Oscar. Take care. I think the biggest thing to pay attention to is the fact that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act made some significant changes to the standard deduction. So, for instance, it's roughly been doubled for, for 2018. Joining us now is Darla Mercado. 
personal finance reporter for CNBC. Tax season started this week. There's been a lot of changes with the new tax law, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. We're one year into it, but this is the first set of returns that are going to be processed under that. And there's a lot of confusion. A lot of people don't know what's going on. The government shut down. Everybody was hearing that the IRS was impacted by this. So as we start this tax season, there's a lot of questions out there. Darla, what do we need to know about this season? I would say that just from the outset, I think the biggest thing to pay attention to is the fact that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act made some significant changes to the standard deduction. So, for instance, it's roughly been doubled for for 2018. And just to be clear, you will be filing your 2018 taxes this spring. So one of the major changes that took place as a result of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is an increase in the standard deduction. So it's $12,000 for single filers and $24,000 for married filing jointly in 2018. That's roughly double from what it was prior to the tax overhaul. I would also say that the next big thing to pay attention to is the fact that personal dependent exemptions, which you used to be able to claim for yourself, your spouse, and each of your dependents, are now out of the picture. Prior to the tax overhaul, they were worth about $4,050 per person. The law also put a cap on itemized deductions. Some new limitations have kicked in, including a $10,000 limit on the state and local tax deduction, as well as a number of other changes to some of these tax breaks. For instance, there's the casualty loss tax break that has also been curtailed, miscellaneous itemized deductions as well. Those are now off the table too. NerdWallet did a survey and found that half of the people don't know how the tax overhaul is going to affect their bracket. About 30% are unsure exactly what changed after the legislation went to law. As I said, still a lot of confusion about it. One thing I was seeing is tweaks to withholding was a major thing. It seemed to be that everybody needs to check what they're withholding so that they, one, don't get dinged and two, everything matches up. Just to be clear, the IRS has throughout 2018 called attention to the fact that people need to review their withholding in light of all of the changes that took place after the tax overhaul. Basically, this is the way that withholding works. You would use your Form W-4 at the workplace, that is, if you are an employee, and your employer would use the updated tax withholding tables to figure out the exact amount of income taxes that should be withheld from your paycheck. If you withhold too little, you end up with a larger paycheck but you potentially run the risk of owing taxes. On the other hand, if you withhold too much, you'll get a refund in the spring, but effectively you've given the government an interest-free loan. Yeah, I was reading some uh, just anecdotal stories, and uh, someone said you know their client was used to getting $3,000 refunds regularly. They ran the numbers this time with the new withholding tables, and now they owe like $6,000. So some people could be in for a nasty surprise if their stuff doesn't match up. Are we hearing anything about how the shutdown has affected returns? Are people still going to get their stuff back on time? Or I know the IRS said, well, you know, we're going to try our best and everything, but what is the word uh, about that? The recommendation across the board has been to try to prepare your documents and get everything in as soon and as accurately as possible. And this way, you at least have your documents into the IRS. It's just you've basically put yourself in line to have your forms processed and to receive a refund if you are indeed owed one. And then what do we know about uh, credits and deductions? I know the uh, tax law boosted the child tax credit as well. That was one of the things that uh, helps out a lot of people. Oh, for sure. 
So the tax overhaul has increased the child tax credit to $2,000 for each kid under age 17, which is double the amount under the old law. One thing to be aware of is the fact that this is indeed a temporary increase. So after the end of 2025, it'll come back down. You also have the uh, dependent and child care credit. So it's a credit for working parents. You can claim up to $1,050 for one child under age 13. That's 2100 for two or more kids. So those are some of the, the key family credits to keep in mind. What are your thoughts on uh, people doing their own taxes or using these free services? As we're kind of been saying, you know, there's some confusion. You know, it's the new tax law. People have to kind of get accustomed to it and everything. But what are your thoughts about people doing it on their own through these free services rather than going to somebody professionally to file your taxes for you? I think it's a matter of not just personal preference, but then also the amount of detail that's involved in your return. So I would imagine if you had a more complicated return, maybe one where you've got, you know, for instance, you're planning to itemize. You might be taking a whole lot of itemized deductions. You've got, you know, a mortgage and a number of other things that might make your 1040 a little more complex. Perhaps in that case, it might make sense to see a CPA. Although, on the other hand, if you have a situation that's fairly straightforward, perhaps it might make sense to go with one of these programs or or try to do it yourself if you can through one of these programs. I will say it's important to to keep track of, I guess, any changes that are coming through the law and try to get a sense of how some of these tax filing programs are keeping pace with that. I should note that there are definitely some areas that are still kind of confusing. They don't necessarily apply to everyone, but there are certain and for instance, um, business deductions that, that might still sort of be up in the air for people who are uh, filing for 2018. So in, again, in a case like that, your filing might be complicated. It might be better to see an accountant in that situation. Yeah, the big thing is get started early, get your stuff in early so you can avoid any type of unexpected delays. Darla Mercado, personal finance reporter for CNBC. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. We're living at a most fragile time. Not only the fact that this president is not qualified to be the president, but the fact that both parties are consistently not doing what's necessary on behalf of the American people. Joining us now is Daniel Littman, co-author of the Politico Playbook. Former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz hasn't really announced if he's going to be running for a president, but he did an interview on 60 Minutes over the weekend, said he's thinking about running as a centrist independent for president in 2020. And then immediately everybody was telling him, no, we don't want you to run. (laughs) The president himself said, hey, he doesn't have the guts for it. And then Democrats were saying, please don't run because all you're going to do is fracture the party, get more um, votes kind of taking away from a Democratic nominee, and then you're just going to reelect President Trump. So Tell us about this horrible kind of rollout for Howard Schultz right now. This is one of the worst rollouts any potential presidential candidate has had in recent memory, at least for me. There is this universal feeling among people who don't want Trump to be reelected that Howard Schultz would be a spoiler and would not play a helpful role in 2020. You know, his talk of, well, you know, all the parties are bad. I'm the solution. I'm the billionaire who can help. That kind of sounds like Donald Trump a couple of years ago. Look how well that's turned out, at least for the majority of Americans who say they would not vote for Trump. This is a real quandary about how do you kind of persuade this guy not to enter the race? And, you know, this is Democrats are doing their best to make the case to Howard. Maybe he can be like a, you know, ambassador. 
you know, hungry or something. Right. And the base on each side is usually still pretty solid, but it's an attractive message. We see polls all the time. People are angry with Congress. People are angry with the president because nobody's getting along. Nothing's getting done. So it is an attractive message to a lot of people saying, let's get somebody that's smart, independent, can be the adult in the room and hopefully get something going. But again, this would be another billionaire with no political experience. And where does that lead us again? We don't know how he would run the country. But his advisors are saying, you know, he maybe he's the only one that can save them from Trump, save the Democrats even, because if they nominate somebody that's too far to the left, that's not going to work either. Yeah, that's the case his advisors are making. They, he's using Steve Schmidt, who was McCain's chief strategist on the 2008 campaign. He's also brought on Bill Burton, the de- former deputy press secretary for the Obama White House to kind of be a bipartisan duo helping him. They're making the case that Schultz could actually be the savior of the party and that there is this huge field of Democrats running in an ill-defined way that not many people have caught on. Everyone is barely, you know, no one's really in the double digits. And so, you know, Howard Schultz has a lot of money. He could self-finance and, you know, really help out this cause. But people are looking at his record and they're trying to make the Starbucks into Bain Capital. Most Americans would not want to work at Starbucks, let's be honest, even if they can get free tuition or whatever other benefits they have. People like their coffee. But remember in the last year or so, that video from that Starbucks of those African-Americans getting arrested. That's something that if you're a diverse member of the Democratic coalition and the base, that is really concerning. Going back to how disastrous of a rollout that's been all, this has been already, Howard Schultz went to a Barnes & Noble in New York to tout his new book that was coming out, and immediately, I mean, he got about 30 seconds into saying whatever, saying something, and he was already getting heckled saying, don't re-elect President, don't help elect President Trump, you egotistical billionaire with a big expletive followed by that. He's also been railing against other people on the Democratic side, Elizabeth Warren's plan to tax the super wealthy, Kamala Harris's plan endorsing Medicare for all. He's not going for these really left policies, and so he's kind of attacking that right now. Democrats are saying that he is another billionaire who's running to help his net worth. At least Michael Bloomberg, who's considering running, he is more widely respected in the Democratic field, and he has really come out swinging against his fellow fellow billionaire Schultz and saying, basically impugning his policy ideas and saying he's wrong and that there's no mathematical possibility to run as an independent. And this guy could pose real damage because Jill Stein and Rob Nader, they didn't have real money. And so this guy could spend a ton of money on ads just as kind of a vanity project. And that the rest the whole country would be blaming him if Trump gets reelected and he had the crucial amount of votes in those swing states. Part of the problem is that it's still so early for the 2020 election. I mean, these people that are running need to start making the plans now, obviously. It's a long machine. It's a long thing they have to go through to make an effective campaign. But for people that worried about a lot of other things, they're not really paying attention to this too much. So, I mean, it's just so crazy. The the heat that he's gotten so far, just saying he's considering it. He hasn't even fully announced that he is actually running. 
Yeah, it's, it's quite remarkable that this is kind of the reception that he's gotten, even though he has never even said he will actually run. And so trying to dissuade him and say, hey, you will not be popular. You'll get heckled everywhere. It will not be fun. It will not be pretty. And that you should go back to your foundation, go back to Seattle and try to help from there, but not play a role which no you know, how many Americans are calling up Howard Schultz and saying you should run? Right. Yeah. Of course there's some. You know, I've gotten emails from people who say today that Oh, they want to you know join the Schultz campaign uh, in waiting, but that's not a vast majority of Americans. Daniel yep. Lippman, co-author of the Politico Playbook, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Daily Dive.